Hello and welcome to this episode of Demystified as we explore home cooking in a modern world. Hello, I'm Linda and I'm here with my mate Paul. Hi Paul. Social distance, Linda. Keep we are. Away. We are keeping very well away at the moment because we are in Melbourne and uh, it's Locked all pear-shaped. Yeah. Total pear-shaped. So we might do Friday's one via Zoom or something because we might have to. We might have to. We'll see. Because we won't be able to talk in Talk masks. through our masks. Yeah. I know. How are you, Paul? I'm all right. I'm all right. Today's topic is very interesting. Yeah, we'll say... Well, we're going to stick to the... So last week we started a cuisine-type conversation we kicked off with, with French and you suggested today we go into, I think you even threw Moroccan out I there. I did, I did throw um, Moroccan out there. And uh, Italian and other cuisine types, but we'll get back to that because I just want to pause on that for a second. Not that we don't have something to talk about there, but um, it's only because I've been doing some other work that I wanted to change the topic today. So, And when you told me what the topic was, <laughs> I, I must admit I was like, okay, that's a big topic. That's, well, it's not really. Well, it is if we're talking about it for one whole episode. Well, no, not. Yeah. Okay, so okay. the topic of the day, topic du jour. Topic du jour is. Oh, good. I know. It's, I've been practicing. Your French is getting I've better. been practicing. Same beef bourguignon. Oh, I know. That's little small steps, baby. Small steps. But today's topic is salt. Exactly. Salt. There you are. We're so, going to assault salt. It's an assault on salt. On also, our tastes. Yeah. So, uh, what I wanted to talk about was, it's only because I've been doing other content work stuff and trying to highlight the importance of salt and the different salts that are out there and how to use them properly and correctly and how to pick the right ones to use. So, because it does change what happens to your food dramatically. Okay. Because I always thought all salt was here we go NCL. Oh, now you're busting out the periodic table. I actually, table. I actually I don't bet you know. That's wrong. I bet you, oh, it's I bet wrong. you that's wrong. <laughs> I bet you it Ring is. Ring that hill, mate. But, but <laughs> I thought all salt was still made up of the same chemical composition. Okay, which could so, be or may not be NCL. Yes, but it comes in different grades, different forms. So we, okay. when we did our, if you think back to our polenta tutorial. We were talking about the different grades oh, yes. and grain sizes yes. of polenta, so same in salt. Now, most people know yes. rock salt, flake salt, table salt. So kosher all, salt. Kosher salt. Veggie salt. No, veggie salt isn't salt. All right, so let's just move away from veggie salt. That's the stupidest thing ever. Um, right then. <laughs> we're not, we're not, when we're talking about salt, we're talking about product that we will actually use. So we won't use things like chicken salt. Okay, ever, unless we make it ourselves. Um, okay. But let's just talk about the basics of salt. Mm -hmm. Okay, so the first thing to understand is most commercially available in a supermarket table salt, most, is iodized. So you see it written on the packet, correct? Okay, so <clears throat> in the 1920s, global health authorities made a decision to add iodine to salt because there was iodine deficiencies in the global community. 
Now, what that did for salt itself gave it a very harsh metallic salinity and does nothing good to your food. It doesn't harm it, but it doesn't make salt do what I think salt should do. So what I'm talking about today is actually not using iodized table salt at all. Um, anything, any salt that you should that you use should be naturally occurring, which in most salt is, but shouldn't have additives added to it like iodine, because it doesn't do anything good for the taste. Number one, it can you can go over the over the top with it quite easily, so it can overpower your food, and quite often there's anti-caking agents and other things like that in your salt. So salt is, in my view, the most important seasoning in food. And as you know, the way I cook, I use salt and olive oil like seasoning. Well, yes, uh, you do. Olive oil especially yeah. like a, as a seasoning. Yes. Um, not so much to cook with, but as a seasoning. And salt, I very rarely make, you know, rubs or I make spice mixes. But, you know, sort of those... You know, pre-made rubs and pre-purchased mixes that have got salt in them, very rarely use them because generally they're made with iodized salt because it's cheaper. Um, but you always get that metallic taste. So, what salt is for what? So, I'll start with the courses, which most people know, which is rock salt. Okay, so extraordinarily coarse. Can go in a grinder. Generally not iodized. Okay, so it doesn't have iodine added okay. to it mm -hmm. and that salt's really good for doing a cure so like with the pork belly and pork belly yeah. gravlax yeah. duck confit uh anything like even bacon uh, mm -hmm. any egg air, air dried hams or anything sometimes you'll use rock salt as a cure um but really really coarse grain so it doesn't cook out so even if you do use it to cook with the grain doesn't uh, change as far as its structure goes. So if you bite into a piece of rock salt, you like you know all mm. about it. Okay, so that's sort of if I go in grades, and this is just the most common ones. Okay, so I'm not delving into the hand harvested million year old from the Grand Canyon salts. We'll just go the most sort of common, which wouldn't be that readily available anyway. No, I mean there are places that have uh, like salt selections as part of their menu. So I know Thomas Keller at the French Laundry, in one particular dish there is an entire plate that comes out with different salts from different parts of the world and oh, wow. supposedly aged differently, you know, dug up from caves, of the, the ancient cave of Batman's ancestors or something. I don't know, <laughs> right? So, but there are like quite a few thousand different salts around um, and each of them will have a different flavour profile because one because of the way they're harvested and two because where they come from. So salt from the Mediterranean is totally different to salt from Australia or the US. Okay. They're all very different because you have different salinity levels in the seawater, which is where, in my view, proper salt comes from. Anyway. Wow. So, okay, yeah, you see, you thought we'd have I nothing thought, to talk I about. I thought this would be the shortest podcast ever. <laughs> okay, and then if we go down in grain size, then you have something called fleur de sel. Okay, although the name's French, uh, it means the flower of salt. And what fleur de sel is, is actually the thinnest layer which forms on top of evaporated seawater. So it's the really thin crust 
of salt that forms on top of evaporated seawater. And it's generally discolored slightly, so it's not that pure white we know from salt. It's almost like got a gray sort of grain through it as well. Now that, the coarseness of that is less than rock salt, but more than let's say flake salt or table salt. Um, and that is probably one of the purest seasonings you can use because it's got no additives. It's literally like hardened seawater. Um, and it is a really good way to finish a dish. So you can use it to finish dishes like, uh, like you would a flake salt. It's just slightly coarser. So it, it will give you a crunch, but not a break your teeth crunch. Right. Yeah. Also really good for curing, but very rarely used to cook with. It's used to finish with or mm -hmm. cure with. Okay. Um, Fleur de sel was always right throughout Europe, so France, Spain, Portugal, Greece, um, and now the Americas are starting to harvest it. So just because of the name doesn't mean its origin. It's not like Reggiano Parmesan or anything. It's that top thin layer of crust that forms on top of the seawater. Um, so Canada, Mexico, and Brazil are now harvesting some really good flutter cells as well. So that's one to look out for. Flutter cells, beautiful salt. Like you can just eat it. It's and for those of us who delicious. aren't confident with our salt spelling, solution, yeah. how do you spell it? F-L-E-U-R. This is three words. Okay. D-E-S-E-L. Fleur de sel. Fleur de sel. Okay, yeah. thank you. It means flower of salt. Okay. Okay, so next one down, we talk flake salt. So we're quite familiar with flake salt and there's a lot of brands that have been known for a long time. Flake salt's really recognisable by its crystal makeup. So you'll often get pyramids or little boxes or, you know, various different shapes of mm -hmm. crystals and we generally pinch that and crush it between our fingers over a finished dish. Again, nine times out of ten, or almost nine and a half times out of ten, no iodine added. Fleur de sel's the same, just certainly no iodine added. Um, and that's a finishing salt again, although I have been guilty of cooking with it because it is very natural as far as the flavour goes. Um, different colours as well. So we use Murray River salt yeah. because it's Australian uh, and that's got a pink hue to it. Not mm -hmm. the same, not as deeper pink as Himalayan salt, which I'll talk about in a minute, um, but a slight pink hue to it, whereas Molden salt, which is globally known yes. it's a really premium flake salt is pure, it's got that pure white snowflake sort of mm. look about it and really light um sort of crystals as well very light to hold like you can put a handful of it in your hand and it's that doesn't have much weight to it uh, and that's all in the way it's harvested too so there are different methods of harvesting flake salt um, another one which is sort of gaining some momentum is a very small producer just outside of Auckland in New Zealand um, and he's doing hand harvested flake salt. Uh, now a lot of salt is done via evaporation so people will collect seawater and basically boil it down. Okay. Now that takes an extraordinarily long amount of time. A lot of it's done on uh, in the sun, by the sun as well. This guy uh, has come up with a method of using vacuum to evaporate um, the salt from the from the water 
So wow. it's quite an intriguing small producer, but certainly like that, I mean, the water off the coast of Auckland is pretty pristine. Um, so anywhere where you have pristine water is generally a good place. Somewhere in there, you'll find some pretty good salt. So the Mediterranean, of course, mm. um, anywhere around there. So flake salts, the next one down, if we started rock, flutacell, flake salt. Uh, and then we get to... Sorry, yep. with flake salt, do yep. you use it for curing or to finish? Or to, uh, to finish. Okay. Not for curing. No. So much. It's way too expensive for curing. Okay. Yeah. So it's probably one of the more expensive salts. Um, so flutacell's pretty expensive as well, but not as expensive. Flake salt's generally hand harvested, and those shapes and shavings don't come just, you know, without effort. Mm. So it is more expensive. So generally not for, not for curing. It is also a textural thing. So, like, next time you... Scoop okay. out some ice cream. Just put a couple of flakes of like flake salt on top of the ice cream. So it's really important salt for dessert use as well, not just savoury use. Um, so generally, 99 times out of 100, just for finishing a dish. Okay. So over the top of your roast chicken, over the top of your pork, over the top of your pasta, a little bit on your ice cream, any of your desserts. Gives a nice crunch too. So I'm not going to... I've never, ever, ever added salt to a dessert other than when I've made salted caramel for something. That's the only time. Yeah, and how good is it, though? Well, it's fantastic. Yeah, so I'm not saying you go to a restaurant and ask for extra salt, but just so you get a sensation of what it gets you in the frame of mind of is when you do make your next dessert, add some salt. Okay. You should Mm. season your desserts like you do, maybe not to the same extent as you do your proteins, but you certainly need to add seasoning to get... Because what does salt do? What's the main purpose of salt? Bringing out flavour. Yeah. So salt will actually help bring out the flavour of like a lemon curd better than just straight sugar. Well, there you are. Um, And any pastry as well. Always. Pastry. Okay. Yeah. Sweet pastry, short crust pastries, any pastries. The only thing I don't salt like that is pasta because it can mess up your pasta machine. So pasta doughs. So I'd rather season the water. Not mm-hmm. the pasta. Um, I know, and I have seen you put salt into the boiling water when you were doing the gnocchi yeah. video for cooking with steam. And I'm like, "Are you right there, buddy?" And you're empty. Well, we'll talk about we'll talk yeah. about that. In <laughs> that, a was second. that was amazing. That was amazing. I remember that. And so, uh, flake salt. Next step down, kosher salt. So this is the all rounder. This is the orana that I think people should use. So kosher salt is a little bit more unrefined as far as the grain size versus table salt, but it's not not as big a grain as flake salt or fleur de sel, um, but it doesn't have iodine in it, and that's the key to kosher salt. Kosher salt should be the one that you've got put your salt pig is filled with. Um, so it has the same look, uh, it, but it is just salt. There is no anti-caking agents, no uh, iodine added, and it is the most natural way to do your all-round cooking is with kosher salt. It is more expensive for some unknown reason. I've got no idea why. Why is it cheaper to buy salt with iodine in it? I don't know. But 
it doesn't make any, it doesn't make any sense that's to weird. me. And it's actually hard to find salt that doesn't have iodine in it. So when you're buying your salt wherever you buy it from, unless you know exactly where where it's from and what salt salt it is, different brands have a look, read the label. Like, and I'm not a label Nazi or anything like that, but read the label and have a look. If it's got anti-caking agent, it'll have more likely to not have other things in it. Um, and proper, proper natural salt will change everything about your food. Like, it makes it taste like a chewed, not that metallic, mm. uh, you know, super yeah. salty taste. Yeah. Um, so kosher salt's the all-rounder. Can be used for to make a salt crust. So you mix it with egg whites to make a salt crust in all your baking desserts, seasoning your meats before you cook them, your fish, everything. That is the salt. Now, when you're seasoning, a lot of those other ones we talked about before. I mean, rock salt you're not going to do that with. Uh, fleur de sel and flake salt, more for finishing and a little bit for curing. Um, but general cooking, seasoning, it's important when you're seasoning your piece of fish or your chicken or whatever it is you're cooking is don't season really close. So don't hold the salt really close to the surface, hold it up high. So you've seen a lot of people do a lot of funny things on Instagram with seasoning food. Hold it at probably, how far is that, Linda? That would be, uh, I reckon... 50 centimetres? I was going to say... Two feet. So okay, two feet. So two feet away from yeah, yeah, two feet away from the surface of what you're seasoning, and just let it run through your fingers. Mm. And the reason you do that is that you'll get a more even coverage of salt, and you're not concentrating the salt in one spot, and it kind of rains down on the food. So you want it to, you know, sort of snow down on top of the food. It gives you much more even seasoning. And that's why kosher salt's really good because the grain's really good through your fingers. Mm -hmm. It's not too grainy. It's not, not grainy enough. It's just right. Um, now, table salt, which is what we sort of started off talking about, iodine and all the rest of it, uh, what's that good for? That's good for if you barbecue. So if you grill, and it's not good for seasoning your meats, what it's actually good for, if you barbecue over charcoal and you're having a bit of trouble controlling the temperature or you're getting flare-ups in a particular spot, throw some salt on there. Uh, that'll knock the ash off your charcoal and it'll also stop any flare-ups happening without you adding a liquid to cool it down and create too much steam. The other thing that's good for, and this is probably not valid in a home kitchen, but we used to keep a lot of table salt, like big handfuls of containers of table salt around the kitchen. If someone spilt something on the floor in the middle of service, something slippery, oily, da -da -da, we just throw a whole ton of salt on the floor and that would um, stop people from slipping. And the only other thing I use it for is I make a mixture of quite a bit of salt, vinegar um, and bicarb soda. And I bring that to the boil in a pot and I dip my copper pots in it to clean my pots. That's it? <laughs> okay. But the only other one which I want oh. to talk about, which is really common, which is, pops up everywhere, which is um, Himalayan pink salt. And people, there's been a lot of discussion and study about um, health benefits of Himalayan pink salt in particular. So it comes from the Punjab region of Pakistan. There is no known associated benefits over other salts to Himalayan pink salt. Um, have a look because it comes in all forms. So 
rock salt, flake salt, table salt. So make sure you have a look because sometimes you will find iodine added to it. Um, it is has got a slightly higher concentration of natural iodine in it. So you do get a little bit of that tiny, tiny, minuscule amount of that metallic taste. But if it's had iodine added to it, you'll know because it's that really harsh, like table salt okay. taste. Mm. Um, and you can can buy pink salt blocks, which of course you can cook on as well. So you can sort of season your food as you cook. So yeah, but have a look around. I think everyone should have a minimum of two salts in their house, one being kosher salt and one being flake salt. If you do curing, um, you know, like to make your own bacon, anything like that, I think certainly a, a fleur de sel is worth having as well. If not a rock mm. salt, a rock salt for sort of general purpose use. Um, rock salt's also good for if you want to do a, like bake some potatoes or bake some whole vegetables, place them on a bed of salt. And the salt draws the moisture out of the vegetable so it doesn't steam in the oven. It will actually bake and roast. So that salt helps get rid of the humidity from the oven. So opposed to combi steam oven cooking. But if I wanted to do a whole celery act, it's a really good way to do it is actually put it on a bed of salt. Quite often you'll see people that make gnocchi put their potatoes on a bed of salt. So rock salt's good for that. Also good for like putting oysters on because they don't slide around all over the place. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah. Wow. Salt. Can you just go back to the barbecue bit? Yeah. So you've got flare-ups in your barbecue. Yeah, particularly on charcoal. On like, charcoal. This is charcoal. Oh, okay. Not for gas. Not for gas. I was going to yeah. say, hang on a minute. Yeah. Just for charcoal. Let me visualise that. Okay, so yeah. you've got charcoal. Okay, yeah. cool. So even like, I mean, if you can imagine in commercial kitchens, what we would have is big gas burners and then around the burner, there would be like a, it's sort of part of the underneath of the trivet. It's kind of like a catch mm -hmm. tray. It's like a big donut. Okay, yeah. and that would catch any spills. And basically, at the end of the night, you pull that out, clean that, happy days. But every now and again, of course, you get oil in there, and it because you're over open fire, that oil catches fire. We just used to dump salt on it, so salt will um, it won't always extinguish, but it will cover a flame quite well because the burning point of salt is massive, like it's above eighteen hundred degrees Celsius. Okay. I think. So if you want to extinguish some fire, salt's a really good one if, you're not, if you don't want to use water. So with something oil-based, of course, mm. you don't want to use water. So cover it with salt. Um, so it's particularly good on charcoal. So when you've got charcoal, okay. and the reason you get flare-ups in charcoal is because you've got too many gaps in between each piece of charcoal and fat will collect when you cook. Just dump some salt on that fat and it'll stop flaring up. Wow. But that's why that's what table salt's for. The only other thing I want to mention is keeping yourself. So I said salt pigs before. You know, I mm. like yes. I have salt pigs now. Yes. I cook a lot, so I go through my salt yes. pretty quickly. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and old mate that I was talking to in New Zealand who's doing his hand harvested stuff, uh, I was talking to him about it. So salt will, as in the example of the vegetables in the oven, the potato in the oven. It attracts moisture. So to keep your salt at its best is actually use very small little ramekins, what they call pinch bowls. Um, that's probably for most home use better. And then keep the rest of your salt just in an airtight container because it okay. does pull moisture. Mm. So yeah, there you go. All wow. about salt. 
That is all about salt. But it is the most important part, like for me, I think you changed the way you cooked. Yes. And we didn't talk about blanching. So if you are blanching your food, you are blanching your vegetables in a pot of boiling water or you are doing your pasta in a pot of boiling water, the thing that I was always taught um, is that water should taste like seawater. And it's so true. you need to Paul add. throws in so much salt that you I need to add salt. as much wow. salt. But it's true, to make it, it taste like seawater. Mm. Yeah, and that's how you get seasoning uh, in your vegetables when you're blanching them. The other thing too is, which is becoming more and more popular, although probably maybe not our guys, is people that are doing smoking. You know, have offset charcoal smokers or smoking boxes or anything like that, where they use wood chips. So. Wood chip manufacturers and people in the smoking industry say you should soak the wood chips in water, which is fine, which you should do. Uh, it helps create the smoke. Better way to do it is actually in apple cider vinegar, but season it. So you salt the apple cider vinegar, therefore you salt the wood chips. So when they burn, because smoke has water vapour, within that water vapour it will be seasoned. So the smoke that's rolling over, let's say you're doing a cold okay. smoked salmon or bacon or a brisket. So the smoke smoke that's rolling over the top of that to give you that smoke flavour and that smoke crust and all the other beautiful things associated with smoke is seasoned. Apple salt of vinegar. And would you use um, iodine table salt for that or you would no. go back to... Kosher. Kosher. Yeah. All so you really do only use... Iodized table salt for cleaning your pots and putting out fires. (laughs) Yeah, I I think, yeah. Now, I know this is not necessarily your thing and and I do have a beautiful friend who's a dietitian and um, we should one day try to talk to her about just about food types because she's got a really great story about how food has changed over the years and the size of plates and what that has impacted on us as as a species. But do you think that people's fear of salt is because or they're they're feeling that salt isn't good for them and you and i've had this discussion a couple of times about it's how you use salt yeah it's it's like it's it's like anything if you go if it's in abundance like it's not it's not great for you but neither's chocolate or beer or wine or i don't believe that but you know what I mean. <laughs> no, like, exactly. No, so in, a, in moderation. In but, moderation. And how you use it. Yeah, and I think a lot of people's adversity to salt has come from iodized table salt. And using it too much. Well, how many times have you been out to a restaurant, whether it be a good one or not so good one, or even just a casual cafe and da 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 and you, people get their food delivered to the table and they reach straight for the salt and pepper without tasting their food? Yeah. So I used in the rest one of the restaurants I used yeah. to have, we didn't put salt on the table because if I didn't season the food properly, I wasn't doing my job properly. So I refused yeah. to put salt on the table. If people wanted it, absolutely, they could have. I I like salt, and I like that. Yeah. But if used properly, um, it, it I mean it is the best flavour enhancer, the best natural flavour enhancer. I don't care what anyone says. You can put a rubble over a piece of chicken, soak it in mustard stock for 24 hours, whatever. But if you get a piece of chicken that's 
been seasoned perfectly and cooked perfectly, so we're talking as simple as salt and perfect cooking, forget the technique, Perf uh, forget the method of cooking, I mean, perfect cooking and salt, that chicken will be, as long as the chicken is good to start with as well, but that chicken will be the best ever. Wow. Yeah. So, yeah, I, from a health standpoint, it's very hard. I mean, if you have heart conditions, I say, okay, yeah, but... don't go overboard with the salt. But, like, I mean, there's salt in yogurt. There's salt in, like, almost Well, that's why everything. we stopped eating a lot of those um, packets and jars of, like, a sauce or something years and years and years ago because yeah. they were really heavy in Sodium. But, like, yeah, you're yeah. sitting here drinking a can of, like, max taste, no sugar bubbles. How do you think that tastes? Like, how do you think it gets its taste? I guarantee you that even though there's no sugar in it, there'll be a reasonably high percentage of sodium. There is. Actually, I'm looking at it now. Just yeah. looking at the can going 49 milligrams or 2% of it is... Well, there you are. 2% of, what, 300 mils? 75 mils. Two percent. That's well, quite are. a lot. Seven, that's, seven mils. That's quite a lot considering the size of the can. But that's how you get flavour into that's things. That's how you get it. Okay. So, so yeah, there you go. So, if you want, you know, a good way to improve your cooking is not only the the technique you use, the preparation which we talk a lot about, and the method that, that you follow, but seasoning is like key, super, super, super key. And salt isn't the only seasoning, I know, but it is like the key. That's why you see chefs go from something like blanching in heavily salted water. If we didn't talk about something as simple as green beans, mm -hmm. blanching green beans in heavily salted water, then transferring them to a pan with, let's say, some shallots, olive oil, uh, a little bit of chili flakes or something like that. We're just doing a side dish of green beans and then they hit it with salt when it's in the pan. So it's gone from salty a little bit of salt in the pan as well, and then it gets put up onto a side dish, and then it gets finished with a little bit, a little bit of salt. It's had three goes at getting some seasoning, whereas what we do at home, or what a lot of people do at home, is just go, oh, we'll just chuck some salt in the water. It's never enough, so you're not seasoning it, really, and then you're just hoping that the beans are going to taste good because there's nothing else that happened in between. Yeah, you've put olive oil and you might have made a nice dressing for it, but the dressing needs to be seasoned. And then once they're tossed through the dressing, that needs to be seasoned again. And then you serve it. Okay. Yeah. So salt, super important. I'm not saying you need to go and buy bucket loads of it or use bucket loads of it, but correct use of it will change like everything. Everything. Well, there you are. I really didn't. I, I've actually wondered why you will go to different parts of the cooking with Steam Kitchen and get different types of salt. Oh, the only this. other one which I wanted to mention, which I bought for my father-in-law a long time ago, which is one of the only things in the world which is naturally blue, is Persian blue salt. It's extraordinarily rare. So there's very few minerals in the world that are naturally blue, and Persian blue salt is one. So if you see that, have a go at that. It's super expensive. Super, super expensive. It's very fine grain, kind of something like kosher salt, um, but distinct, very distinct taste. And it's got little blue flecks there. It looks poisonous, but it's just salt. Um, but it's only because he's uh, 
he does painting and he's interested in colours and all that sort of stuff. And it's very, very difficult to find natural things I don't that I've are seen blue. It anywhere, actually. Yeah. Persian blue salt. Persian blue salt. So there's another one. But yeah, there's hundreds of them. There's red salts. There's yellow salts. There's all. There's heaps. Black salt, which a lot of people would be familiar with. Another good thing to do with your salt is if you do have a smoker, smoke your salt. That's, okay. That's delicious. So yeah, there you go. The world of salt. Well, I think we've now. Um, and you said we wouldn't have anything that. to talk no. about. <laughs> well, there we are. Well, thanks for that. We'll talk um, about pepper next week. <laughs> Stay tuned. Happy cooking, everybody. Bye. See ya. Thanks for listening to this podcast as we explore home cooking in a modern world. We'd love you to subscribe. And for more information, please go to our website, cookingwithsteam.com. Mm-hmm.